Good evening, you're listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. Joining me today for a special solstice edition of Three Moves Ahead. Yes, we have, we have, gander, we have gathered near the uh, near yon standing stones uh, under, this, under the stars. Uh, we have Three Moves Ahead founder, Troy Goodfellow. Hello, hello, hello. We also welcome back our elite irregular panelist, Dr. Bruce Garrick. Yeah, hello, gamers! And finally, stepping out from behind the curtain, from behind the large Iowa tape deck we used to record the show, <laughs> Mr. Michael Hermes. Hello. So we are, uh, we, we, you know, Bruce had the idea uh, a, little, a little while ago to just the bunch of us get together and talk about topics of interest to strategy gamers or, or whatever is of interest to us uh, yeah. on this particular day. Hey, why not? And, and Bruce, what, what brought on this, uh, th- this flight of autumnal uh, whimsy? You know, I don't know. I mean, maybe it was the phase of the moon, uh, but I thought we're always sending back and forth these emails, right? About, uh, hey, what about this? And hey, did you see that? And what should we talk about this? And, you know, uh, you know, why isn't Julian going to be on? And uh, and it all kind of um, seemed like that's there's some energy to that that we could capture. Uh, now I don't know what kind of energy it is, um, but it would be neat to just kind of sit down and and see if we can make something out of the out of the stuff that we always back and forth email uh, to each other all the time. That's fair. I mean, I think for for both me and Michael, I, I suspect this is a this is a dark and dangerous energy, <laughs> uh, frequently associated with the stress of oh god, does anyone played anything this week? How are right. we doing on topic yeah. X, Y, or Z? Mm-hmm. Uh, but 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 I totally agree. Uh, a lot of interesting conversation topics kind of end up getting dropped, uh, you know, in part. Uh, because you know we sort of reject them and say, "Well, that's not an entire show. Right. That's just that's just a conversation I really want to have over <laughs> drinks some night." Right. right. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Bruce, why don't you tell us? I mean, you know, just before the show, we were talking about um, you know you've been having some board game adventures, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I think regarding this podcast in particular of late, it, it sounds like your interest has almost entirely been absorbed. Mm-hmm. Uh, by by board war games, yeah, and so maybe you can talk about your your latest adventures, and and then also a little bit like, uh, you know, why why the drift away from from mm-hmm. PC strategy and wargaming? Sure. Well, I guess <clears throat> um, I, I've always I've been a, a board gamer since well before I there uh, were such things as well, not as well boards. before <laughs> as boards, yeah, <laughs> right, plastic, yeah, and yeah, card that we were uh, there was on you know parchment cuneiform kind of stuff. Um, you know, I, I've been playing board games for a long time, uh, since before I had a computer, uh, at the time that I started playing board games was probably, I think the, the only computers they had, there was the Apple II and the TRS-80. Um, actually, I don't even know if the Apple II was out yet. I can't remember when that came out. But, um, and I've always liked to play, uh, computer war games, but with limited time, I find that I really get a big kick out of the interaction with the other player um, more than just sitting and, and recreating history. And Rob, when you came to visit, we got to play a couple games uh, with my friend Don. We played both um, the Fire in the Lake, and then we played um, um, Triumph and Tragedy. Triumph and Tragedy. That's it. Yeah, yeah. One of my, possibly my game of the year. Yeah. Well, that was it. Was a lot of fun, and I and I thought, gosh, you know, this is this is the kind of experience that I really enjoy. And I would rather spend, uh, you know, whatever, four, six hours once every few weeks um, playing with someone and getting their perspective on a game 
than um, than putting in a few, you know, an hour here, hour there by myself uh, on a on a computer war game that I'm not playing against anyone. And it really, you know, I really get a lot of uh, benefit and and sort of enjoyment out of the interaction with the play- people I'm playing against, just like I get a lot of benefit interaction with and enjoyment out of the interaction with you guys, right? When we do a lot of stuff over email, and I, I like the, you know, I, I wish I could participate in more podcasts. I just don't have uh, the time to play the games as, as much that I can, you know, just jump in every week on a new game. But um, but I really like going through the games and thinking about them and thinking about what they mean. And I like people that will do that with me. Uh, and so uh, my friend Don and I actually, uh, we played Kim Kanger's Dien Bien Phu, um, The Final Gamble. We had a great time with that. We played it over a series of I guess it was four sessions, and we probably had about four hours of gaming per session. Now, each of those sessions was a Saturday, and each of those Saturdays, they were not contiguous Saturdays. So, you know, we played one day, and then we got to, we set, kept it set up in Don's game room. And when I was free and he was free, we'd go and, and play, sit down, play a few more turns. And uh, I, I loved the way that we, you know, sort of both discovered this game, although I had played it already against the designer, Kim Kanger, um, by Vassal, but I loved sitting down with somebody who appreciated the history and then seeing how delighted that person was with how the history worked and how the game fit together. And, and his comment at the end was, this just feels right. And I thought, man, that's, that is the essence to me of the war game experience, is that you know about history and you like games and you appreciate mechanics and it all comes together and you play with somebody else that just kind of shares your interest and you, you finish the game and you think, gosh, that was amazing. And do you know, remember who I mean I'll remember who won but uh, you don't think about so much who won as how that new sort of alternative history that you played turned out um and I that's it that's a there's a feeling that I wish more people could get because I know there are a lot of people who like history and I'm afraid that they're just they're not taking advantage of the opportunity to meet people and play with people I know that we as you know gamers are sometimes a little more introverted than other people um, but I think that people could really get, you know, especially people that are living in, you know, large metropolitan areas, uh, can certainly get their, their game groups galore, and you can sit down and, and meet pe- cool people and play with them and, uh, and and get something out of this hobby that, that some, I think for many years was very hard to get, which was, you know, sort of opponents and, and, and that kind of pleasure. So I, I, I am I'm a little curious. Um... Do you find that like the, these games, the, these games in that um, sort of in-person uh, setting? Mm-hmm. I mean, do you find that because these games are designed with the knowledge that you're going to have sort of uh, two human intelligences facing off against each other mm-hmm. and uh, able to make sort of you know intuitive leaps or connections or mm-hmm. or, or have a certain comfort with abstraction? Mm-hmm. Um, that these games can push, like, can, like, simulate familiar conflicts in, like, new and exciting ways that you just don't see echoed on PC? Well, I think that the problem with PC, right, is that the mechanics, when they are simple, seem thin. And, you know, I didn't, I don't think I really understood this a long time ago. You know, I used to rail against why PC computer games were uh, PC computer games, PC war games were so convoluted or complicated, or why there were so many things involved in just simulating some conflict. And I and I realized that they're convoluted and complicated because they can be. And I think that that's actually a really good reason 
for them to be convoluted and complicated because they give you the opportunity to create sort of this place that you go imaginatively uh, regarding history in a way that you can't do on the tabletop because the computer can keep track of so many things. And that seems like a facile thing to say, but I think that that <clears throat> it's sort of the implied depth or the, the um, I, I, I think about it in a way that there's a, uh, there's a, a fantasy novel series that I particularly like by a guy named Steven Erickson. And the series has all this backstory and sort of accoutrement, as you would say, um, since you're up there near Canada. And um, it, it gives this illusion of depth or, or fills out sort of your imagination in a way that, that a lot of books don't do. And I think that on the PC, and, 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 and you feel like you're in this deeper world. And I feel like on the PC, you can do that by, you know, War in the East having all these crazy, you know, how many, how many tanks are running, how many tanks are, are you know, out of commission, you know, how much supply does this, this, this unit have? You can do all that, and it feels like they're creating this alternate universe where on the tabletop, I think you really, um, it, takes, it takes that other person to sort of make the clever plays using the game mechanics that lets you appreciate that. Because, I mean, no matter how many times uh, I play a game against an AI, I'm never really going to be impressed by its clever play, um, except to say, oh, wow, I never expected an AI to do that. But you never know whether that's a, you know, was that something that had to do with the actual, you know, AI was planning to do that? Did that the, the, the developers decide that that was something that they could make it do? Or did it just happen to stumble into a good play, whatever? And I really enjoy sort of mulling over mechanics and that kind of stuff with a person ac across the table. Because then when they use something cleverly, I think, oh, man, that was, a, that was a genius move. I can't, I didn't even think of doing that. And then we have a discussion about that. And we have a discussion about whether, what that represents in the game and whether that, history is really modeled that way, what, what it means. And, and is that really, would you even do things that way? And, and is that broken or not broken? Or is that a, you know, there's that some kind of insight into history. Um, so I, I feel like the games just do different things and it's hard to have uh, a simple game that plays on the PC that you're not going to get tired of real fast. And the only way to do that, I think Battle of the Bulge is a good example. It's a great game, but I tired of playing against the AI and, you know, three days. Um, and, uh, Twilight Struggle, you know, if, if I've, I haven't played against the AI since, you know, the second day it came out, but I've been, I've played over 200 games of that thing against other people. And I always enjoy seeing how they play. And, and most of them are, are, uh, you know, good sports. Some of them are not, but, um, they're, they're just two different sort of gaming cravings that are satisfied. Have you beaten Brian Reynolds yet? Not a chance. I think I'm 0-13 against him now. Oh, that is a... So he he is truly like in a different weight class. Brian Reynolds is in the quarter to three uh, Twilight Struggle tournament, and I think that th I if I had to put money on somebody, I'd put it on him because uh, gosh, he's just he's really really good. I remember there was a, a game that I was playing against him, and I got up to something like eighteen. I was plus eighteen against him, and he pulled out Olymp uh, Olympic Games and basically gambled that with the modifier, he was not going to lose the, uh, the Olympic Games because if he had gotten, if he had lost, it would have been plus two and it would have gone to 20 and I would have won for the first time ever. But nope, he won and, and from 18 went to 16 and then just came all the way down and then he knocked me out of the game. So uh, yeah, he's, he's really good.
but uh, but I think that you know these 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 games are things. Do, do you? How, when was the last time you you sat down any of you guys and played a good uh, a good board game with somebody? Oh God, it's been ages. It's finding the time. Yeah, but is the but is it really finding the time? That, that's the question. No, but find, it's, find, it's find, finding, finding the time. Find, find the time of the schedule, right? I mean, finding. I mean, you know how hard it's for us to even schedule a podcast, right? Trying to schedule four hours for somebody to play a board game. I think it four some, hours. Something we, something we both know that's easy to let that we can learn. I mean, it's something that we want to do more. I want to do more of. I got some friends who want to mm-hmm. play more board games. Um, my friend uh, David, he's a professor at Waterloo. Mm-hmm. He's apparently got this really old his all of his old Avalon Hill games from when he was a student at harvard he's got like this mm. whole closet of them mm-hmm. he's going to drag that out sometimes so we can dig through that and see yeah. if we can find something we both know yeah. and that will be fun to do um but yeah i'm, I'm always buying games but never playing them. i I, lo- I loaned pandemic to one of my friends and she's mm-hmm. played it more than i have mm. uh, <laughs> yeah. i think it just kind of goes to show um but I hardly have time for PC games uh, these days, unless it's something I'm playing for the show, or it's something that I think looks cool, or it's an old game that I'm just revisiting. Like mm-hmm. uh, Tit- Titans Quest is the the new thing I'm spending a lot of time on because I already know how it works. I just mm-hmm. want something friendly because I play games for work all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, unless it's a game for the show, or um, you know, Civ Six is going to eat my days. I spend most of my time reading these days instead of actually playing games. Maybe I should retire the podcast altogether, just shut up, just close up shop. Um, considering how little time I actually give to games, I do think a lot about them. So m- board games, it's something I want to do more of, but it's something I've wanted to do more of for a long time now. I think I'm finally getting the critical mass of people who actually are kind of interested in this, though mm-hmm. one of the penalties is I may have to learn bridge in return. Oh my so, God. Oh are you serious? Yeah, David wants to, wants to teach, he wants to get back into playing competitive bridge. So, David and I'm Heron? very no, no, David Welch, my friend. Okay, okay. Yes, I was like, I don't. It seems like a. <laughs> it's it's no, it's a, it's a it's a very old man thing, and I think yeah. I've reached the old, I think I've reached the old man stage. He's are only we, ten uh, years. Are, are we going to do a bridge episode? We could. Does anybody know anything about it? Michael says slowly and deliberately. <laughs> yeah, we could. Well, I, I, I did well, that chess episode was such a success. Yeah. And it was. We could work yeah, in uh, Euchre and Sheep's Head and all other oh trick games. God, we will We will just kill in like <laughs> South the Florida, Catskills. like barbershops and stuff <laughs> like that. Like we'll really find a new market. I don't know. I think, I, I think chess, is, chess is inherently cool. I feel like... The bridge episode begins to put us in old man hat territory. Mm. Um, but we could do know, a I mean, feeler episode on whist first and see how people respond, <laughs> and then go to bridge. Uh, Very nice, Bruce. You know, you, you know, mentioned you mentioned like the last time I, I had a really great uh, board game night, and I mean, so I was when I was out at Julian's, uh, you know, around Labor Day, and spent that whole weekend basically playing. Um, oh God, Scythe. Um, have you have you have you yeah. seen this game, Bruce? Yeah, it's dystopian. Uh, I think it's I I, I just love it. I, I I love the artwork. I I love mm-hmm. the you know giant mecha meets uh, post World War One Europe mm-hmm. uh, aesthetic. It's it's all based around this one artist's uh, like sort of um, fanciful uh, like concept art for you know what if there were giant battling robots in the era of uh, the Polish Soviet War. They made a game out of that, or the yes. it was re- it, 
Because yes, I remember did. seeing the art online and I thought it was intriguing. I mean, it was it was very interesting pieces. But to hear there's a game about it is pretty exciting. No, the, the, there is. And, and so a game designer was like excited by the art. Uh, I need to look this up right now on, on IMD, uh, not IMDb, uh, Board Game Geek. Look it up on IMDb too, see if it's um, there, tell me. Uh, because it's by it's uh, by Stegmaier Games. I remember that. Or Jamie Stegmaier is the designer. Jamie yes, Stegmaier is the guy. That, Jamie Stegmaier. Yeah. Yeah. He um, uh, he designed a game called Viticulture that I um, that I actually kicked was in on a Kickstarter for like years. This is like four, five years ago maybe. Uh, one of the early Kickstarters that I was in, and uh, it was about uh, growing wine and marketing wine, and uh, I didn't particularly care for it. And since then, um, I kind of. I, I sort of stopped paying attention because I, I didn't like the first game, so I thought, well, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna continue to to buy Jamie's games. Unfortunately, that was exactly the wrong thing to do because apparently he came out with a whole bunch of good games. Uh, I can't remember what the other one was called. Europa, I think. Um, he's co- he's has several really good games that he's come up with since. Uh, and uh, Scythe, I apparently is one of them. Our our uh, colleague Tom Chick uh, apparently really likes it as well. Really, because he shot down a Scythe show idea. He was like, it's fine, but I'd rather play any other Jamie Stegmeier game. Oh, okay. Uh, so well, maybe, then I'm wrong. Maybe he's, maybe he's reversed course. No, I, uh, I, he probably maybe played it more. I don't, I, I, I don't, Tom, don't, um, don't send your fact checkers after me. Um, yeah. I, I, uh, I, we, we can't afford a yeah. corrections yeah, uh, exactly. segment to yeah. the show. No, it, it may be that I just remember him in either in the early stages of, of playing the game or, um, that I just misunderstood him. So, I mean, the, the cool thing about Scythe, uh, so, so Stegmaier, like, loved the art and want, wanted to make a game around it. Mm-hmm. And, and I gotta say, uh, so the the artist, uh, uh, Jacob Rosalski, um, made the made the, made this artwork, and it's all sort of this, it's, it's a very, like, beautiful impressionist style. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the interesting thing about it is there aren't pictures of, like, mech battles or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Really, the the aesthetic of, of his work is actually like classic like Eastern European like pastoral scenes um, with like spe- like sci-fi technology, crude sci-fi technology like woven into the scene somehow. So like so there's a Polish people... like, like a Polish village and there just happens to be like some kind of laser turret sitting in there. Yeah, kind of. But it ends up I, I think the reason it ends up working is that it is such a profoundly strange contrast in the artwork hmm. um, that it ends up bringing that era to life in a weird way because if you think about it like can you even imagine how bizarre the world must have seemed to people in the wake of world war one like you know people who are living in sort of the former uh german empire or former austrian empire Mm -hmm. or former former russian empire like all the things that changed in the space of a handful of years uh, a lot of things that basically sort of stood unchallenged for you know well over a century, um, and this artwork with these you know you know peasants bringing in the harvest and then like a a harvest mech working in the background or like <laughs> um, a a troop of um, of like uh, Ulan cavalry mm-hmm. uh, sort of traipsing through the snow, uh, sort of walking point for some sort of like laser mech. Um, all of it ends up making you sort of think about that this art is as strange to us as that era would have been to people who lived through it. Except for the mechs. Except for the mechs. 
I think that would have been. Or are you saying that the era was so strange that putting in some mechs for those people, they would have been like, ah, oh, yeah, some mechs. Huh? See something yeah, new every I, day. I kind of think if for if for us, yeah, I think like adding the mechs, I think makes it like strange because like that to us is 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 what it t- would take to make something look like truly insane. Like it doesn't doesn't belong. Mm-hmm. But for people in that time, the world already felt that crazy. Oh sure, is yeah, kind I agree. of what I'm getting mm-hmm. at. Yep. Uh, and so I think the the art really works on that level. Uh, Scythe is a cool worker placement game. I love that it has. Um, you choose a faction and then an economy type to go with that that faction. Okay. And it's sort of a random deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like five factions and five different economies. Okay. And so the, each faction has sort of strengths, and then each economy has sort of strengths and weaknesses. And so you kind of, like, as you, as you play the game, you have to learn how to play these different combos. And sometimes they dovetail really nicely, and, and sometimes it, it feels like you're a little bit at odds with yourself, and you've got to make some, some harder choices. But uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun. I uh, had, a, had a great weekend playing through that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it looks like... I, I was playing on one of those ridiculous Kickstarter backer, like, you know, baller sets. <laughs> where it was oh, like sparing okay. no expense like you you gave us five hundred dollars so we built you a full-size mech uh-huh, okay. uh, yeah. that's, that's kind uh-huh. of how it felt yeah uh pewter figures all this stuff it was it was fantastic and and i'm, I'm not gonna lie really nice components can make mm-hmm. a big difference yeah oh yeah uh, hey you, speaking of which i don't want to i don't want to change the subject we can go right back to your subject but you, you know that uh the war of the ring um anniversary edition is coming out with the painted miniatures uh, no, I didn't need to know that, Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. And yeah. Christmas is so near. I know. Yeah, I'll that's... Oh, man, I might do that. Yeah. Because uh, Julian has told me a story of a uh, convention set he saw once um, that I think was being played by... Um, it's like a couple of Italian guys, right, who, mm-hmm. who designed uh, uh, War of the Ring. Right. Uh, but they were, they were selling it at this convention. Like, mm-hmm. it was a special, like, one-off... Mm-hmm. And it was going. It, it was like hand painted everything, mm-hmm. um, right mm-hmm. down to like the the tree of Gondor on yeah. the on the infantry shields, uh-huh. and like all of yep. it was just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And it was only like three hundred some dollars. And Julian balked and like he's I'm not spending three hundred dollars on War of the Ring. And I gather that decision has haunted him. Yeah. Well, like, if, ever, if ever he wants since. to, uh, if he wants to, um, if he wants to fix that problem, the. Uh, the Ares games, uh, if they ever get this thing out, it's been it's been in the works forever. But uh, they're selling theirs for about they're a little under four hundred, and it's exactly the same kind of thing. Like everything is painted. Mm, wow, these are shit. nice figurines. I'm looking at pictures of it. Yeah, isn't it? That is beautiful. War of the Ring anniversary uh, edition. See, and that's the thing. Like that's that's an obscene amount for me to pay for any kind of board game. But it is a game that I love so mm-hmm. much that I'm seriously contemplating. Like, yeah. I think I'd want that in my life. No, my copy's on order. I mean, I I, I paid my money a long time ago. I'm just waiting for them to uh, to, to produce it. those figs. Yeah, well, they, they they say so. They say that uh, they've got the figures painted, and now that there's some issues with like how they're going to put them all in the boxes and the shipping and everything, they were it was supposed to come out in April um, because the the initial sort of announcement was last July. I remember it was. Um, it came out when I was when I was actually physically on Mount Rainier, climbing Mount Rainier. I thought, oh well, I'm not gonna not gonna be able to, to get it because it's gonna be sold out. And I got back and it wasn't sold out. So I thought, oh well, okay, that's fine. And um, it was supposed to come out this April, and then it didn't. Uh, and then they they changed their deadline to September. And I believe we're recording this on October first. Is that correct? Yes. We are. Yeah. So uh, so yeah. So they're behind. Um, but um, we'll see what happens. Um, there's, uh, there's, 
that that is one I really want to want to see when uh, comes out. That was that's I think worth worth the money for, to pull out and play. I played. Um, did I play War of the Ring with you, Rob? When you came over, I don't think you and I ever. I think we've talked about it a lot. I don't. Think yeah, we never actually played yeah, a game. Yeah, with my friend. Rich. We, oh, we played. Yeah. Um, we we played the Little Hobbit game. Um, yeah, uh, Lord of the Rings of Confrontation. Yeah, I still remember that when we were playing that, and you're like, "Oh, this looks yeah, whatever." And then you we you played it, and you're like, "Okay, now I can see how all the stuff that I thought was super simple actually isn't." Yeah, no, it, like I couldn't believe like it, it was late because because you you were you wanted to play some really deep air combat game, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then you started looking at it and you were like, no, we're not doing this. It's eight thirty mm-hmm. at night. This mm-hmm. is a terrible idea. Mm-hmm. And then you brought out and you didn't call it like you you call it like like fancy like hobbit <laughs> like stratego, hobbit hobbit stratego, hobbit stratego. Yep. Yeah, and you brought this thing out and it looked like the rinky dinkiest thing that like it it was like. Um, oh, what, what's that? What's that fantasy game where you place the um, place the tiles to claim land, but then you flip the tile over and uh, Small World. Oh it yeah, looked yeah, like yeah. it made Small World look like Risk Legacy or something. Like in terms of just like scale and complexity of the game, like it just looks so tiny. And then uh, then like once I started to figure out how this thing worked, I was like, oh wait, I have no idea how to play this well. Shit, hang on, we need to play another. <laughs> right, right, right. Which yeah. is great. I, I love how dense uh, little games can be. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Scythe. Uh, just to, just to, just yeah, to wrap that, that up. Yeah, finish that up. Yeah, it's funny. It's a, it's a game that sort of tricks you because it's got like lots of mechs. And there are, there are some combat mechanics in it. But really, this is a complete, like, it is a total worker placement game. It, huh. is, it is a total Euro that tricks you into thinking maybe you're playing some sort of, like, battle mech Ameritrash game. Really? It certainly looks combative. Huh. But combat is like a thing you will do maybe once a game, uh, if that. Uh, uh, and then the rest of the time, it's sort of about bluffing and, uh, you know, sort of sort of menacing each other with your mechs, but not really like engaging in battle. Oh, what a tease. Unless you're the Germans. Um, <laughs> if, if you are the, if you are the uh, techno Germans, basically, <laughs> um, you get unlimited victory points from combat victories. Mm-hmm. Everyone else, they win like one battle and mm-hmm. they get one victory point and that's it. Uh, the Germans can just keep doing it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the Germans. the German, yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty clear statement about, about the, the Prussian, the Prussian reputation. Right. Uh, but it's, but, it, but it's pretty cool how the, how the game sort of uh, forces you to keep learning different approaches uh, with, with every new game. I, I really liked it. Uh, it was it was a great uh, board gaming weekend. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, besides that, I think my last great board gaming uh, adventure was when I was down in North Carolina. Wow. Um, and I think part of that is since I knew my time was so limited, mm-hmm. I absolutely made sure to play games like at your place, right. Uh, right. at uh, another friend's house, yeah. and then yeah. I made time and saw John Balding down there, yeah. and we played um, the American Revolution. Uh, territory control game, uh, not not eighteen twelve because that's a different war, uh, but the um, but the American Revolution version of that. Uh, seventeen seventy five. Yes, seventeen seventy five. By, a, by, a, by uh, I think it's a, that's an Academy Games game, isn't it? I mean, I'll, I'll have to go to. It's BGG. the same people that make Conflict of yeah. Heroes, I think. Yes. Yeah. Um, that, that's the, out I, on the, that's out on PC now. You know. It is. Uh, Conflict of yeah. Heroes? Yeah. 
No, oh, yeah, Conflict of no, Heroes has been on PC forever. I think it's 1775. 1775 is out. Boy, that that is a game I do wonder if it would really bear up under the weight of PC yeah. scrutiny. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, anyway, what, what I would say there is. What I learned, if, the reason like North Carolina was such a great trip, mm-hmm. uh, in addition to you know playing great games, great company, is that because it was a temporary visit, there was no there was no temptation to defer playing these games with my friends. Right, and I think that's the problem. That like even if you had a local like community around you that like oh these are people I can go play games with, mm-hmm. um, there's a temptation to be like eh let's just let's just have drinks, let's just watch the game or something like that. Hmm. And since I was only in in North Carolina for like four days, it was like nope, we gotta we gotta keep playing, we gotta we gotta keep going, right. and it, it overcame all that inertia, and it was pretty great. Yeah, yeah that that's um that's something that you know you always have to uh, yeah if you're gonna if you're gonna get something out of board games, you gotta you know you gotta man up and you gotta you gotta take the hit. No, we're not. No, we're <laughs> not gonna watch. Uh, you know. Um, Fox News tonight. No, we're not gonna we're not gonna read Breitbart together and uh, and and marvel over Donald Trump. We're gonna get we're gonna get right to the games. What about uh, what about Michael and, and Troy? What, what's your what's you, you guys aren't are have obviously not playing much board games. So what, what are you what are you spending your time doing? Sure, um, you're right. I don't do a lot of board gaming, and I, I'm I'm deeply envious of your uh, your 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 groups and the people that you have to play with. Um, I think it's just one of those phases of your life thing, which I'm fine with, but right now it's just board games don't work out. If I have any gaming time at all, it's going to be late at night. So mm-hmm. uh, it's usually relegated to video games. But um, Is this due to work or babies? Uh, both, both. Um, you know, we, we have friends who are local and we, we will have board game nights, but uh, <clears throat> it's definitely more of the settlers uh, kind of nights. Um, you know, I have a few, I have very few friends who really want to do some war gaming, but they're a state mm-hmm. away, so... Uh, and they also, it's like when everybody gets married and then everyone's having babies right now. So we're yeah. all, we're all a little tied up. Um, That's what Vassal is for my friend. I suppose. Yeah. I'll have to, I, I honestly, I haven't done any of that. We tried the, the most I've done is we tried playing D and D using a tabletop simulator and that was oh, a, yeah, a yeah, disaster. Yeah. Well, that's because um, it's D and D dude. Oh, uh, well, here comes my elf. <laughs> you, uh, you mentioned, uh, Steven Erickson before, um, yes. which oddly ties into what I have been doing. Um, hmm. because, uh, I've been writing a fantasy novel. Oh, just really long ones. They go on forever. <laughs> um, I have been reading, uh, Malazan book, Malazan book of the fallen. Yeah. Uh, and Steven Erickson, that's, I, I typically don't, it, what's that? That is, that's, that's Steven Erickson. Yeah. It, because a lot of times whatever I'm playing usually informs what I'm reading or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and I typically go, go deep into a game. Right. Like, okay. I, I, I find something, I finally settle on something and go in deep. And over the summer, I was reading the Erickson books, which, uh, which I don't know if you found this, Bruce, because you're also into it, but they dovetail really nicely with uh, Dominions um, as, oh, a, yes. as a yes. theme. Right. Have you ever thought of doing a Dominions mod? Because I have. Uh, it exists. I don't know how to do that. It happens. There, it's out there. Is there a, is there a Malazan Book of the Fallen Dominions mod? Yeah. Really? Yes. I, I'll Holy send you cow, a link. there will I be promise. a link to this at the bottom of oh, this yeah. podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, I have to interject here. Yeah, yeah. Why is this worthy and interesting fantasy? Okay, so I'm with you on that part because I'll be honest. Uh, most modern fantasy, like I was really, you know, I read fantasy books in high school and college. And for whatever reason, I just find most of it to be pretty lacking. 
and, mm-hmm. and not very good. Especially, I, I have trouble with the really big world buildy, put apostrophes into everything kind of mm-hmm. masturbatory map making fantasy. Um, yeah. And yet, Erickson is the the most world buildy, most apostrophe putting in type of a fantasy <laughs> you can believe. Like it goes so far beyond everything else in that regard. But it's the it's it's his method of just completely throwing you into this uh, batshit crazy mythos and theology system that makes absolutely no sense. It probably does make sense the further you get in the books, but the point is it doesn't handhold you. It doesn't use the reader surrogate uh, new trainee that they have to explain everything to, which I find really annoying. It's just yeah. here it is. Take right. Figure it out. You you can handle this. You're 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 an adult. Just just do it. And it's right. it's it's fantasy that goes beyond elves and dwarves and the Tolkien derivatives. And it's it's just an extremely interesting uh, mix of theologies and uh, uh, set pieces that are just. Vi- not visually stunning, but just intellectually stimulating as far as what he's actually portraying. Right. And it goes really stunning. Yes. Thank you. Uh, it just dovetails with dominions, which again, the mythology is a mishmash of every sort of little thing. Why are there dinosaurs? I don't know. Don't worry about it. Just go with it. There's witches over here. It, it's, it's very similar. It doesn't, it doesn't hold your hand and, and kind of step you through it. And you just kind of get a rich, tapestry of of uh of different uh settings and things like that so you know when i was reading the books over the summer and i was playing the game they uh they just really gelled with me and i i found it very satisfying um so i did play a lot of dominions i did play uh multiplayer um Mm -hmm. which was a lot of fun i had only ever played single player but playing multiplayer dominions is a blast it is it is i played with uh some people over at the gamers with jobs forum uh, mm-hmm. We played two games back to back, which probably wasn't the best idea because by the end of the yeah. second one, I was kind of ready to be done. But yep. um, multiplayer Dominions uh, Four was a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. Setting up a game is about as arcane as learning it. But once you <laughs> once you do, I mean, you have to go to this. There's this. There's a great site, Llama Server. I actually, kicked in money because it's 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 great that somebody's still hosting it. And there are there yeah. are a lot of games. Uh, running. So if anybody ever wanted to play Dominions online, like the, it's not just like there's five or six people who are looking for games. Like there was probably uh, 75 concurrent games going on or mm-hmm. more of, yeah. of games of several people. Um, so this summer it was for me, it was Dominions. Um, I fell really hard into The Witcher 3. And then um, now it's uh, good, man. Yeah. No, I, I put in. Way too many hours, and I, I had just gotten to the DLC after like 110 or something like that. But that, that's one of those games I just just fell way, way in love with. And now both of those kind of settled down a little bit, and I'm kind of looking for whatever the next thing is. So then I'll kick around a few games and see what I can do. Um, EU4 has gotten me interested lately, um, but we'll see how that goes. In between your, your your passions, like do you sort of default back to like, well, time to dust off a uh, dwarf fortress uh, run I was on, or time to time to go back to something by Arkin? Yeah, yeah, I'll kick in you know some of the old favorites for a while, and I'll play those until I get get kind of tired of them again. Um, and you know, I I am I don't play I'm not a reviewer. I don't play things for Deadline usually or anything. So I have the luxury of just sort of you know kicking kicking the tires on whatever's around, and then. 
I, I kind of know when something's going to get me because it doesn't get me right away. I sort of have to circle it a little bit and then really get into it. Um, I'm playing Duelist right now, which I like too much for oh. that to be the case. Yes. Um, but that's a that is a that is a good game. I recommend people hmm. check it out. Um, oh, so you're going to be on our Duelist show? Uh, <laughs> I haven't played enough to be on the Duelist show, but uh, uh, aside but to you say, will by the time we have that show. <laughs> Hell yeah! Yeah, if it's All supposed right. to be for next good. week, I'll know in two months that we can do it then. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I like it. I'm who else? I'm Rob. You've played it, Troy, Bruce. Have you uh, had a chance to check it out yet? Yeah, I, I downloaded. I, I downloaded the uh, icon. It's sitting on my desktop. All right. Well, you're you're halfway there. Did you have it's, you played Hearthstone? Uh, yes. Oh, I don't know. Um, no, no, no. I'm, for... I'm not. I'm not saying that you. I'm not making fun of the fact that you you think I didn't play Hearthstone. I'm making. I'm making fun of Hearthstone. Okay. Thanks. It's like ah oh, yes, but I don't really have any interest in ever playing it again. Okay. I'm kind of in the same boat. I don't really care for Blizzard stuff too much, and Hearthstone was okay. It didn't grab me. Um, but Duelist, if if the listeners aren't familiar, it just came to Steam. It's been out for a while, at least a year or two or three, maybe, including early access. But it's a it's a surrogate for Hearthstone, right? It's uh, almost exactly the same mechanics with with placement of the the units on the board. Uh, but it's uh, it's fun. It's like uh, you know the art is pretty divisive, but it's uh, it's a good card. It's a, it's like an eight bit kind of art thing. Yeah, it's pixel art. Yeah, yeah. Pixel art, yeah. It's it's, uh, I'll give them credit. They don't have a cliched aesthetic or uh, lore. Uh, mm-hmm. Good. But what you lack is any sort of context for what that means. Like, if I'm playing against dwarves, I kind of know what dwarves are going to do. If I'm playing against elves, I know what elves are. If I'm playing against Sondheim in Duelist, mm-hmm. and he's got these, these swords. Sondheim? Well, he does sing a lot. If if he's got these swords coming out, like who are, who are these guys? What do they do? What's their what's their shtick? You don't you don't have any context for what they are, except that one guy looks like Tidehunter from Dota. It's just sort hmm. of this odd mishmash of stuff that it doesn't seem very well coordinated, but it's still an interesting game. That means you just have to read the backstory, which is right up Troy Goodfellow's alley. Troy, I stepped over you when you were talking, uh, stepped on you when you were talking about that. Did you, did you have you played Duelist? No, but everyone's saying such nice things about it. I've been reading a lot about it, so I might take a dip in next week if I can find the time. That's such a Troy Goodfellow thing. I, I haven't played the game, but I've read a ton about it. And I went I went to the Library of Congress, and I looked up not only Duelist, but all <laughs> now, of these now. sort of progenitors. And then, uh, you know, I kind of looked through, you know, maybe some of the lore that they could have used. If, and, uh, if, you know, if, if, if it's called Duelist and there's no Alexander Hamilton in it, I'm going to be very upset. <laughs> As far as well, finding the time, it, I'm sure. I'll give it credit. You get in the game and you play and you're done quickly. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. Hearthstone, right? You can be done in okay. less than 10 minutes with a round. Right. Right. Okay. Well, maybe I we'll should, have to set something up. Should try it out. I also will not know nearly enough for that episode. Well, if well, so tell us something you do know about, Troy. What you, You've been well, reading. What I've been doing with my time. Um, yeah. I've been I've been dabbling with some new games. I mean, um, for, for, for Project High Rise is probably the one I've dabbled with quite a bit. Like it's Trump a Tower? nice Kind of. Like a sim tower uh, type thing from uh, a company called Soma Sim. They made a small, eh, okay, uh, gold rush city builder uh, last year. And this is Project High Rise, which they had published by uh, Casado Games or something. Uh, it's a sim tower type game. It is, the art doesn't have a lot to say for it, but it gets kind of that what my ex-wife would call an, an ant farm game feeling. If you just want, mm. to, you want you want to build an engine and see it work, and it kind of has that working for it. Um, 
I think it's another one of these games that, you know, kind of, you'll play it for a few hours, then you'll kind of see everything there is to see. Um, it doesn't have a whole lot of novelty in it from time to time to time. Um, but the campaign missions are interesting, and when you do build this huge monstrosity of an apartment tower with, you know, coffee shops and elevators and accountants and all of these things and just getting your power grid working, it's it's you know it's easier to get into than something like RimWorld. I mean, because RimWorld, you're going to die. You're going to, doom, doom is coming to you in RimWorld. Project High Rise is the sense you are building a machine with people. Um, that is kind of neat. I I I, really, I I don't think it's a great game, but I think it's you know I think that Soma Sims is you know a, a studio that if it had a bigger budget could do some really really great stuff. I think so. That's kind of the small game that's been taking uh, quite a bit of my time. I think I've got about a dozen hours in it. So far, um, and I like it. Uh, I, I I like it enough. I mean, it's probably a eight tomatoes out of six gardens or whatever grading score you want to use. Yeah, I know it's awful. Um, but I, I, so that that's kind of the game I think that's been interesting me the most. But now that I know that seventeen seventy five is on Steam, I'm going to be going back to that. Uh, most of my gaming time, of course, is for work, um, and a lot of my reading is related to work. Uh, so I can't talk about those books that I'm reading because I'm doing some research now. Uh, but I've been, you know, uh, bouncing from book to book because lately things I've been starting books and then saying, well, you know, this thing's like 800 pages and I don't like how this guy's wrapped the whole Roman Empire. There's no point in fighting through. <laughs> There's one thing Troy Goodfellow cannot forgive. Well, the book is about the Holy Roman Empire. Um, okay. And you're reading uh, it for work, keep, you say? No, no, this one wasn't for work. This was just oh. a, a follower record. Good, Michael. We've narrowed it down to a thousand <laughs> years of European history. We really, we really Plus or minus. down Paradox's next project. I think it's what the book is called, The Holy Roman Empire, A Thousand Year History. Um, from Peter Wilson. And it's, you know, it's, it's, I like thematic histories, but a thematic history for a thousand years kind of breaks down thematically because that's a whole big space. <laughs> that's a whole big space of time you're covering. So throwing in chronological anecdotes from 1200 and 1740 to make your point about continuity in the empire kind of misses a whole lot of hiccups. Yeah. Um, plus, well, just you, know, read, you not, can just read it as a travel guide, I guess. Yeah, I mean, to the places that I've never Lonely seen Planets and never be. Guide to like crappy European history. There you go. Uh, and now I'm. Uh, I just started a biography of Samuel de Champlain because I don't have enough Canadian history. So wow, uh, that's my that's my new thing. Yeah, I'm, I've got so I've got more. I think I have more books on the Ottoman Empire than I do on the World War II in Canada. Uh, hmm. So I switches. It's okay. Yeah, so but I I do want to I keep looking for that book that Rob recommended a couple of years ago was the Cain Anvil of Victory. Cain oh, you can yeah yeah yeah. Anvil, oh my yeah. god, it's so good. That's what, yeah, that was a Bruce keep, wreck, and I mean, it was. Yeah, I, I, yeah. You were asking me when we were we're doing that uh, that uh, can um, uh, close combat game, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So yeah, you guys enjoyed and, that, right? That was the the McGee book, I think. I, I haven't yeah. found the book yet. I mean, I, I could get it on Amazon, but part of the fun of going to use bookstores is being able to find the book you're looking for. Because uh, I have so many books as it is. As I mentioned, I went into my corner bookstore to pick up a couple of things, and the lady asked if I was if, if, if I had if I had a problem with with, with, with hoarding books uh, because I'm just always going in there. <laughs> and you said, "Yeah, uh, so what? What's said, it to you?" Yeah. I said, "Yeah, I'm going to need another shelf." And she said, "Yeah, I'll, you'll always need another shelf." Um, and it's this really cluttered old 
used bookstore run by the same oh. same lady who ran it when I was in graduate school here ten years ago. When I came back really? to Toronto, I That's was surprised fun. it was still open, let alone being run uh, by the same gray-haired uh, woman. So it's yeah. Uh, my, my old college bookstore closed, um, and I believe its its party message was something like, uh, "Damn you, you know, what you why don't." Uh, no, no more textbooks uh, across the street from campus. Why don't you try Amazon or something oh, like that's... that? It was like, yeah. Well, the, the, this place is going to get priced out because they're going to be building. The university bought a lot of that block, and they're going to be putting in residential housing. And yeah, eventually she'll get priced out of her rent unless she owns it, which she might. I mean, I have no idea what her situation is. Uh, so and then I've she been can just sell out. Then she can sell out. She can make. She can get a lot of money for that location. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been doing a lot of reading and not a whole lot of uh, serious game playing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm playing something, trying to find new things for my iPad, really. I'm doing so much travel. I've traveled so much this year, and I've got a trip to Malta coming up in November. Yes, that's, gonna... that's so amazing. That's so <laughs> awesome, dude. That's, going I've to Malta. Never, I'm going to Malta for a company trip, and that's going to be. They say two days of work, two days of fun. Here's a Crusader castle. I mean, <laughs> I, I I work for the best company, um, so yeah, Malta is going to be a joy. But it does mean I'll have to get a lot more. I don't want to get more games for my iPad because I've been reading on it. Uh, so if anyone can recommend a really good, interesting, challenging iPad game um, that isn't you know a match three or Another board game adaptation. I have lots of board games adaptations. I don't need another board game adaptation. Um, you know, an, an original, clever uh, iPad game. If there is such a thing that isn't owned by the Kardashians, I will. Um, well, I have heard good things about that game. There's a um, game called Maquis, which um, was actually it is a board game adaptation, but it, it's not so much a board game adaptation because the board game was a design your own. It was a um, it won the board game geek like. Hey, design a board game, design a solitaire board game contest. Uh, I don't remember what year it was, but they, then they turned it into an iOS game. Um, oh, it's about uh, it's about being a French resistor. Now, I don't mean like like on a breadboard where you have like capacitors and resistors and things, but it's uh, actually mm-hmm. like in the in the French resistance. Uh, you have to carry out missions and and you know oh, hide spies and blow up things. I so, will look for that before my trip. Yeah, look it up. It's uh, it's actually pretty good. There's there's one small interface problem I found with it, but otherwise I think it's it's really good. I'm trying to think what else I have installed that have actually had that have actually had interesting fun play. I mean, I'm always going back to you know war games and stuff, but I I download stuff and I never actually decide, decide to play. For example, Thirty Years War, the age odd mm. uh, game about the Thirty Years War. Surprise, surprise. Uh, it's something I really wanted to start playing, and I have zero hours in it. Uh, here it is sitting on my sitting on my desktop, just staring at me. How would you uh, say that compares to Clicker Heroes? Nothing compares to Clicker Heroes. Uh, oh, 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 I, I see or, the pop or, ups or, for me on Steam Troy, and every five yeah. minutes it says Troy Goodfellow is playing Clicker Heroes. Yeah, but that's, that's also Adventure camouflage Cap- for Ad- Troy's Adventure. real activities. I, I, I get <laughs> it. I just like seeing it pop up and imagine Troy yes. going click 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 click. No one clicks Adventure. You can click your heroes. If you're clicking, you're you're a peasant. No one clicks. Uh, Oriental Empires, that's the new 4X uh, game from uh, R.T. Smith, who worked on the Total War games. And that is, you know, it's kind of in line with an essay I've been writing for the last three months that I hope to finish before Civ comes out. Um, and have you played any of this, Rob? Have you tried? No, and remember, I was, I, I've been wanting to play it for ages, and it finally came out in early access, but I got yeah. a little turned off by a pretty lackluster... Um, 
right up in rock paper shotgun uh that sort you know i'm I'm always quick to believe the worst about forex games yeah. and this definitely stoked those fears hmm. it's i've only dabbled a bit and it's it doesn't do much at the very beginning to bring you in the tutorial's not there yet and it is an early access so i'm willing to forgive it uh a lot of things but you know it's I haven't been aching to go back, and it's probably I might wait for the next update before I start digging in seriously. I mean, Civ is coming out in three weeks, and that's just yeah. going to eat all of my new game time uh, for a while. Hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, I, I also need to learn uh, Command Modern Air Naval Operations. All these people are yeah, playing this no, game, you, and they're loving know. it, and uh, I just cannot figure it out for the life of me. Like I used to be able to understand all of these things. Why can I not learn this game? Am I an idiot now? Am I just too old to process what this game is trying to do? Do you have the full one, or did you get the uh, Northern Inferno intro I have pack? all of them. Oh, okay. I have uh, War Game of the Year and the Inferno pack. Yeah, because they they, they released. If people are too are daunted by the eighty or ninety dollar price tag, there's a twenty dollar version that gives you a couple scenarios and the tutorial, uh, yeah. which is pretty pretty cool. Do you have them? Wait, so Michael, have you gotten into this? Uh, I've just dabbled in it. I have the the Northern Inferno, the 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 first part of it, and I opened it about three or four times. I've opened it, started it, and said yep, and then uh, closed it again. Uh, Michael, but, uh, I have a very, I have a very great like I have a fear of uh-huh. games like this, <laughs> which is that it's a huge mountain to climb, and then you climb it, and good news, you're playing a fucking naval war game. <laughs> it's kind of that's kind of my fear. It's like after twenty hours of mastering oh systems and like learning, uh, learning like how like look down radar sees like different parts of the ocean, like all this stuff. After learning all of that, it comes down to. So really, if you see them first and you shoot the missiles and you shoot a lot of the missiles and overwhelm their point defense, you win. That's the most 3MA thing ever said. I, I was <laughs> sure for a second there you were goading me into playing it more so. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the warning. God. Man, we have a hate on for naval war games. No, that's uh, a, well, no, it's it's not a hate on. It's just it's 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 like Lucy in the football. Like you like we're Charlie Brown. Like we always like man, sh- like ships of war are cool. And then you start playing a game with like naval tactics and you realize that they're they're cool in theory but when you're making a war game about them it, it's difficult to make them uh bo- like interesting so we ever going to do that rule the wave show oh for sure yeah for sure course. Well, that's well, your show troy you've been talking about it for a very well, long time well i've got to get to work on planning it then um because that is just i want an excuse to play more of that yeah, um, I need to make excuses to, for for my time. You don't need to. Ex- you, here's here's the thing. Here's a, a pro tip. <sighs> you don't need excuses to do things. You can just do them. Ugh, I have a social life too. It's so hard. Uh yes, you're right, Bruce. I should be growing up, put my big boy pants, and just do whatever I want. <laughs> Vote whatever Johnson. you want. Yeah. Vote Gary Johnson. Yeah. So there's a there are a lot of things that are on my list of things to do, but really, I'm just waiting for Civ to come out. Just you know, sitting around waiting for Civ. Um, that deadline, because I do have, I have to have an essay timed for that release. You know, that's kind of goading me to write. So I've been working on that draft, 
And also this video series that I want to do. I'm working on that. Oh, you got to get that fun. done. I got I want to get some, I want to get some stuff recorded, if not uploaded uh, yeah. by the end of the month. Good. Well, you know what we should do? I, what I, should we do? I, I think we should, we should resurrect that, that idea that we had about um, going somewhere and playing games. But I think we should go somewhere where there are people who listen to the show and play games with them. I agree. Yes, we should do a proper uh, a proper summit fan gathering. Mm-hmm. So where we do can, we go? I don't know. Maybe the listeners can write in. Where where are all the people? Well, the people will be around at Gaming Con. Like I don't like. I don't think we have. I think our biggest concentration of fans is like in Stockholm in the Paradox offices. <laughs> like, I, I, which you're I'm all, game to you're do. You're going to you're Stockholm. All welcome. You're all welcome. Uh, I kind of love Stockholm. You know who has nice weather? Like Stockholm, like people in Stockholm have the best weather. We should go to Malmo just to like throw everybody off. Umea. I'm a big fan of uh, Gothenburg, but hey, that's just me being wacky. Yeah. So, but yeah, we, I mean, we could go. I mean, I wouldn't mind if like we showed up and like three or four other people showed up and we all play games. I mean, it, I, uh, my point is that uh, I think that we should all get together and and uh, and play well, games we, and then yeah. give make have an opportunity for other people who listen to the show come out and uh, and play games with us somewhere. And yeah, it could be around a con, about. sure, but it, or we could just like go somewhere. I say we all just go to Montreal and do it. It's, mm-hmm. best, it's a good city. Montreal's it's also good. located. The Canadian dollar go. The American dollar goes Distinct a long way. Distinct lack of listeners. Yeah, we don't. We don't get a lot of people in Quebec. We don't. Uh, you know, not, Toronto. No, no, no. New really. York, Chicago. How about Edmonton? I'm not going to San Francisco. How about Edmonton? Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Edmonton. <laughs> I had no idea what you were saying there for a minute. Yeah. Oh my uh, God. Edmonton. Yes. Oh. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, so you, you'll be able to join us uh, this winter in Yellowknife uh, for, <laughs> for the three moves ahead fan gathering. Well, we, um, we, we, we have been planning a, a 3MA summit for all because we've yeah. never all been together in one place. No, and it would be nice place. to have. It would be, be fun to do that. And if you know if there are fans around who could join us in you know some big six player board games or seven player board games and do a thing. I mean, I've had meetups here in Toronto the first two years I was here, and I probably should have another one. And there's usually a good. A good seven, eight people, sometimes a dozen come out just to say hi and play board games. And that mm-hmm. was always, that's always kind of fun. Um, so maybe I should do that again just for the local group. Because uh, I know I have a lot of local listeners. Um, and, you know, it'll be a good, and now that, you know, Snakes and Lattes has a space downtown where you can reserve a table and they're licensed, you might even have a good location for it, um, mm-hmm. as opposed to our previous uh, experiences. Grab a room and bring what you got. Uh, so yeah, I think I I, I think we should uh, get, all get together and do something with Scotch. Yeah, yeah I'm, so we, I'm certainly a fan of that idea. Um, and we should bring a, a camera and record it. See, this oh, is yeah. so. This is where our plans start to fall apart. Yes, right? I know. This it's is, it's this too big. Any group it gets too gathering. Big. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and th- like this is this is I like know. all my friend groups basically is like let's do a big cool thing. Mm-hmm. Or, or like not not big, but just like a just a cool fun thing, and sure. then it has to become bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, and this is like, having... what this what the games industry d- 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 does to you. Mm-hmm. Everything's right. got to be putting more features. Yeah, we got to have video. Can't do like what are you doing? Having like a house party and like there's no videographer. What are you even doing? What's the point of this then? If you don't get twenty vlogs out of it, having video would be easy because I have all the stuff. I think some of our discussions might be fun. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, if we want to video just, this thing, 
Let's just set a laptop up on a table at the end of it, and we'll just stream it from across the room on Twitch. Oh, that would be great. And you just people see people's hands, and then like a yeah. beard goes right in front of it. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure people want to watch the that. Still, is, is the plan still for you to head to the Pacific Northwest? Yeah, I'll be going to Portland in, uh, in January. Okay. Hmm. You're in L.A., right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we can we can certainly meet. Uh, I mean, the, the the flights to L.A. are pretty cheap in Portland, uh, so I, that's we can certainly set something up. Of course, I'll have even less time than I have now. But can't we just go to Portland? Yeah, I mean, going go to Portland. Portland sounds a hell of a lot better than yeah. coming to L.A. <laughs> really? Yeah, let's all, yeah. Hey, I'll come out to Portland. Hey, that's then then that's the plan. Uh, anyway, uh, we should probably wrap it up there. Oh, okay. We probably wrapped it up a little while ago. Ah, yeah, we did. <laughs> to, to be fair. Now, um, wait, 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 wait. When when yes. Bruce was pitching this. There was a distinct message that we were going to stick it to the man. That was the whole point of this show. And yeah. I don't think we've stuck it to any man. Didn't we? Okay. That's oh, true. God. Yeah, that was it. You're right. That was one of my we, that we, was we, one of my things. We're gonna stick it to the man. So we, we, uh, we stuck it to the man of video games. Okay. Because we didn't talk a whole lot. I don't know that we did that. I don't know that I we were know. anti-establishmentarian enough yeah. uh to, to live up to Bruce's lofty aspirations yeah. for this show. All right. Well then we're gonna um, just have to do another show at some point and, and really stick it to the man. Yeah, I don't even know who the man is in this case. Like, I'd say mean, something mean about Trump, but like, let's not kid ourselves. Like, Donald Trump ain't the man. Uh, no. Um, I don't I, know. Tom Chick is the man. We're sticking it to Tom Chick. Yeah. Okay. How about Tom? He is the man. How about Cliffy B? Sure. You know, I said I did. I said I didn't like Blizzard very much. That's kind of like the man. You did. Oh man, Michael did. He really did stick it to the man. Yeah. All right, Michael yeah, Moorhead totally is all over your case right now. Living on the edge. Yeah, you really, you really tipped that uh, that sacred cow. All right, so I guess we did. Uh, I guess to, we did. We did do it. I'm happy now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, before we go, uh, <laughs> two things regarding our conversation about fantasy novels. Um, has anyone here read uh, any Joe Abercrombie novels? No. The Third Law series. No. Uh, Best no. Served Cold. No. Uh, interesting fantasy novels. They they tend to be um, like grim dark. Uh, fan- fantasy novels okay. and a, a little more like uh, like fantasy noir, mm-hmm. uh, and so I would say like the the first trilogy he did, uh, the first law, is just like oh it's a classic fantasy setup, but everything's like way darker and nastier and, and more fatalistic. Um, it, it's it's a damn good series, uh, but where it gets really interesting is he uses that as a foundation for future novels. That become basically like studies in style. Uh, so he writes a bloody uh, like court politics and revenge story uh, set in a corner of that world that is very much like Renaissance Italy, uh, for instance. Hmm. And then his next book is basically just um, almost like a Gettysburg-esque telling of a massive battle from the standpoint of the commanders, bystanders, and mm-hmm. troops on the ground. And then probably my favorite is this, uh, is basically a Western, um, Red Country, uh, which was, uh, which is pretty extraordinary. So I give that stuff a hearty recommendation. Uh, mm. And Bruce, do you have the Netflix? I do have the Netflix. Have you checked out Occupied? No. I think you might dig it. Okay. Um, highly recommended, like sort of a near future um, political thriller, where basically the 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 leap it has to make is uh, the United States has uh, like NATO is dissolved and the United okay. States has retreated in isolationism, mm-hmm. and that's all background for the fact that it's a Norwegian show, 
and in the face of like um, some climate disasters, Norway goes elects like the super green party, like the leftiest party possible, who immediately stop producing oil and exporting it, and go to renewables. And Europe basically acquiesces to a Russian takeover of the country. And it's just um, all these all these characters from like the uh, the Norwegian like prime minister's office, mm-hmm. um, his head of security, his intelligence chief, all of them wrestling with the fact that like they've sort of been subjugated, but nothing is official, and maybe it's just a temporary diplomatic situation. And it's a uh, like it's it's like a ten part miniseries, and uh, I think it's just it's utterly extraordinary because it really captures the way. Um, it really captures those, those sort of split identities that you see in the histories of a lot of like uh, people under occupation, you know, where mm-hmm. where the conciliatory people it's, are, are not the maybe quislings that, that history will make them out to be. Okay. Uh, and the resistance heroes are, are maybe, you know, a, a little more like destructive than, than they give themselves credit to be. And it's interesting to see how like people reach different conclusions at different times. And the whole thing escalates into a pretty beautiful political tragedy. Uh, that uh, I highly recommend, and I, I do know how you like stories of, um, of of paranoia about about Russian imperialism. No, I agree. Okay, good so, tip. That highly is recommended. Out. That's a yeah, Netflix think... Netflix candid too, so I should probably. Oh, you got you got to get on it. Like I'm so high on the show right now. Really? How many episodes are there? Ten. Ten. Ten or eleven. Ten. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Cool. Check it out, That's guys. Good. Uh, anyway, that will do it for Three Moves Ahead After Dark. Uh, this episode, as always, is hosted on the Idle Thumbs Network. If you'd like to learn more about the show or uh, discuss this episode in our forums, you can go to idlethumbs.net. And uh, who, who produced this stuff? Who? Some guy. Right? Some guy. Just some guy. He's more of an audio monkey. Producers sound so glamorous. It's like I should be wearing sunglasses or something. I don't know. Yeah, but, you know, I I don't think I realized how good you are until, uh, and this is not a knock against Chris Remo, but the the fact that, like, when he talks about, like, the the tech that you brought him for audio, for podcast production and, like, shown him how to do, he's like, yeah, like, no, Michael's a wizard. (laughs) Well, that's good to know. Yeah, no, there was a there was a very flattering discussion of you in the in the Idle Weekend uh, Slack the other day. Uh, basically, that uh, you have noise reduction capabilities that um, science has not discovered the secret to them. I pay for the good <laughs> stuff, man. The people at Isotope are the real wizards. That's that that is very true. I suppose I suppose it is the person who made the software. Uh, but you but you've got all the hookups, and uh, so if this if this episode is listenable at all. Um, it's, it's, it's down to this guy right here, uh, especially because I just cannot solve the, the audio problems in this new space. Uh, there's, it's, it's, it's kind of giving me fits, but anyway, uh, we'll be back next week with a more traditional show. Uh, until then for Troy Goodfellow, Bruce Garrick, Michael Hermes, this is Rob Zachney saying good night. Good night. I'm going to leave that in. You little, you little, you really are sticking it to the man. Michael's yeah, out of control. Oh, hey. don't say good night. Can't say no, good night. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it in. Oh, you're terrible. You really are sticking to the man. All right. Uh, so this is going to be three MA after dark, and yeah. we're just gonna wrap. Yeah, we're just gonna good. turn we're just our, gonna we're just it. gonna turn our chairs around. 
Mm-hmm. Sit, sit down backwards. <laughs> yeah. For, you know, spin the cap around. Right. Uh, all right. Here we go. Go, go into the intro. Who? <laughs> Damn it, Bruce. All right. Here we Damn go. Damn it, Jim. Okay, here we go. Good evening, and you're listening to Three Moves God Ahead. damn it. <laughs> what? Uh, throw me off my game here, Bruce. Rob, okay, going. go. Go. Yeah, hello, gamers. <laughs> oh, sh- no. All right, here we go. For real. Oh, God. This is very serious now. 